Simply Complex is brought to you by Studio 71 and the YouTube channel, How to Make Everything. Taylor here. I hope you had a great Christmas. And happy Boxing Day. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I loved opening gifts. The day after Christmas usually involved a lot of playing with the toys I just received. One of my favorite gifts as a kid was a Hot Wheels track that would shoot up into a loop and come down and around. I'm pretty sure it was called Volcano Blowout. It had these wheels that would spit the cars out that made this like screeching sound, but I still loved it. I found some videos of me playing with it right after I got it, and my voice is super high. But now as a boring adult, I find myself thinking about how much everything costs. I remember hearing stories from my grandparents about them only receiving an orange or a tangerine in their stocking or getting one toy or pair of ice skates that they had to share with all their siblings. So I did a quick search about the economic impact of the Christmas season. And I found that this year it was projected that over $1 trillion was going to be spent on Christmas-related purchases. That's incredible. How did it go from such simple gifts to such a huge segment of the market? With stockings, presents, decorations, Christmas trees, and Mariah Carey all the time, everywhere. But it's easy to take for granted the reasons why we have all of these weird elements as a part of our Christmas celebrations. We all know that Christmas is around the birth of Jesus, but why do we have Santa? Why do we have Christmas trees? Why do we have Christmas cards? Or what about shopping? Holiday sales. So in this episode, Brian, Andy, and myself compare the Christmas traditions that we celebrated growing up. We also talk about where some of those came from historically. And Chris interviews Chris Kringle himself. Well, Dwayne the Santa Claus anyways. So if you have kids listening with you today, especially if they still love Santa Claus, you may want to wait to have them listen to this episode until they're a little older. In today's modern world, we are always in such a hurry. We rarely stop to think about the things that keep the gears turning. On Simply Complex, we explore the people, technologies, items, and processes that, while at one point were considered outstanding, have today become so commonplace, we take them for granted. So what was your favorite gift you received as a kid? My favorite gift was probably a, a stereo system Ooh. with a turntable and a tape deck. That was like, that was the big Christmas for me. How about you, Andy? Uh, hard to choose one, but I think any year when I got Legos growing up was amazing. Yes. Yeah, Lego sets were a big deal. Yeah. What did you guys do with your wrapping paper after you opened all the gifts? A, a small portion of it we would throw in the fire mm-hmm. and see all the colors changing. Yes. But then it would start, you know, getting toxic in the room, and so we would have to throw the rest away. Usually crumple it up and throw it at each other. Ooh. How long did you guys keep your trees up? Way longer than I probably should have. (laughs) We were not very disciplined when it came to the trees. It was typically uh, way too late after the needles are falling off and it's way too dry and it's a big fire hazard. We would always wait too late as well. But one year we let it like dry in this back corner of our yard. And then at some point in the summer, my brother and I, we grabbed it and stood it up in like the fire pit area we had, just lit it on fire, 
But then my like mom came running out and was like, "What are you guys doing?" And the Christmas <laughs> tree is like shooting out flames higher than our house. But it is all okay. Uh, I think for most of my childhood, we had an artificial one. So just put it away. Yeah, that's what we do now. <laughs> like I don't like vacuuming up needles. <laughs> Did you send or like receiving Christmas cards? When I was a kid, I don't remember really getting Christmas cards or sending them. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, we pretty typically will send out cards, you know, to update everybody because everybody's so spread out. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of what a lot of Christmas cards are now for, just to kind of keep up and to check in. Mm-hmm. Although now with the digital age, I wonder if that's going to start declining. Right. Since everybody's already connected on Facebook. Yeah, it's like, why do I need to send this? You already know what I did all year. <laughs> right. My mom yeah. always did like a newsletter, like yeah. updating everybody with all the new developments. And like, now you just go on Facebook. <laughs> right. How to make everything as a company received its first uh, Christmas card today. Ooh. Oh, we did? Yep. Wow. Right there. Oh, that's awesome. Who's it from? The landlord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a real step up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That was our eviction notice. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you guys open gifts? Was it St. Nick's Day? Was it Christmas Eve? Was it Christmas? Or was it whatever the family holiday was? I always did Christmas Eve. Cool. And Santa was, I never believed in him. We're always uh, Santa atheists. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Anti-Santas. I, I, I got in trouble, I think, kindergarten or first grade, telling all the other kids that Santa wasn't real. Oh, so wow. Santa came to visit, and I'm like, That's, he's not real. <laughs> Interesting. Did yeah. you grow up believing Santa? Yeah. Traditionally, you know, we would do some gifts in the evening, like with the family, and then, of course, Santa was the next day. But uh, pretty traditional, I think. Uh, we weren't religious, so we wouldn't do the mass. I don't know if you did. Mm-hmm. We, all, we needed something to do after, you know, everybody was eating and tired and so I think we were allowed to open some gifts, but it was more of just to kind of placate us until the morning. Yep. So we did like a Christmas program, usually at church. And then for a while, we'd open up all the presents on Christmas Eve. And then the next morning, we'd open up stockings. I believed in Santa a little bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But what my parents did was because like my siblings are age ranges a little bit. And so we would usually get parent gifts and then Santa gifts. And so usually, like, there was one or two big gifts that they would say were from Santa that were for everybody. Okay. It was a fun, like, mix. Mm-hmm. So we'd always go see Santa and sit on his lap and yeah. eat cookies. What really helped soften the blow after realizing that Santa was not real was being, being able to play Santa for, like, my younger cousins. Yes. And um, so that was fun, being able to do that. You do see that there is some magic in in being Santa, like in Santa, it's, it's not just a ruse to keep children. Yeah, it's the, when I was brought in on The Secret, it helped teach me like the joy of gift giving. Then Christmas and like the holidays become about is being generous and bringing joy mm-hmm. and all of those things. Did your parents ever kind of lord over you that being naughty might cause you to not receive gifts? Not that I can remember. I'm slightly older than you and I don't even think with my generation there was as much of that. Mm-hmm. Although there was still a little bit of the kind of the threat, like watch your P's and Q's or else it would come around Christmas time. I think it was more used as an incentive. Like when it was brought up, like be a good kid. It was more like, you know, if you're really awesome, you can mm-hmm. have this nice gift. Otherwise right. you're just going to get the normal gifts. So Andy, even though you didn't have Santa, was there kind of an incentive to like, if you behave yourself or if you don't behave yourself, there are going to be ramifications around Christmas time? Not really. I don't think so. Uh, what's the biggest way gift giving and receiving has changed for you guys growing up? 
Like, well, as you now are, we're all adults. Christmas is all about the kids, let's be real. <laughs> One thing I feel like has changed for me is that like as a kid, I would always have huge lists of stuff I want. And now it's like a chore to come up with something I actually want. <laughs> Litter isn't like so, several thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it'd be super fun to look into how gift giving has evolved from like a sh- uh, an orange or a tangerine in your shoe from like St. Nick to presents under the tree and this huge season. I also think it'd be fun to see like how did Santa happen and then all that other fun stuff. I'm going to look into the Santa guy. Never knew him as a kid. It's time to get learn about him. I like it. All right. So let's go out, research, and then come back and share what we found. Cool? Cool. So what did you guys find? Even though we're going to cover these main three topics, there's a lot of really interesting history around Christmas and just how different it has been throughout uh, the eons. I mean, probably you know, dating back as early as 1600, it seemed like there were these festivals or there were celebrations around this time of Jesus being born. Of course, Jesus' birth around Christmas has always been there since year one. Yeah. Maybe you can explain this. So it seems as though like around 1600 was when there were these celebrations, but from year one to 1600, I don't know what there was necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any data on that? I do. Oh, you do? So for like the first few hundred years uh, as the Christianity movement got started, there was like a lot of when did, was Jesus born? Okay. And so in, I think it was like 350 AD, it was decided on like a Roman empire level. We're going to celebrate Christmas on December 25th. It conveniently coincided with a lot of other festive activities, particularly like Saturnalia or Saturnalia. And it just became easy to be like, oh, we're just going to group all these festivals into one. But we're going to say this is the main reason. Then it became the holiday that, in a way, that has evolved to what it still is today. Okay. But it seems like throughout history, there was not any real kind of battle between the religious and the more pagan elements of it. The same way as there is today, although it is kind of interesting to think that that some of these things were taken from religion in terms of, like like you were saying, I mean, the reason that we receive gifts was from the gifts of the Magi, giving gifts to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, on his birth. So, but what's interesting is that in, in a couple times in history, it's actually been the Puritans that have been the yeah. biggest threat to Christmas. Totally. Um, which is so, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, uh, I came across this too. What did you learn? Uh, well, just uh, in 1650, Oliver Cromwell kind of led the Puritan movement to try to uh, suppress Christmas. Yeah. And that it was really Victorians that brought it back and kind of uh, solidified it in, in our ritual. Is that because it was viewed as a Catholic holiday? Yes. It was both because it was viewed as a Catholic holiday and the Puritans were part of the Protestant movement that really mm-hmm. rejected Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, especially in Northern Europe, there was the Festival of Yule, which was like a solstice festival. And so it was kind of also a rejection of that culture, which was really prevalent mm-hmm. as well. And so because it was more of a separatist movement, it was like, no, we're not celebrating. <laughs> which is really funny because the modern evangelical movement, which is the big force behind like Christmassy stuff now, is derived from the Puritan movement. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. So I think that's really funny. So like the people who are like talking about the war on Christmas nowadays are actually derived from the people who tried to kill Christmas? Yeah. Back in the day? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think when groups do that, 
Yeah. Like, it's so ironic because I like ironic humor. But it, They just feel really guilty about <laughs> trying to kill it before. Like, now, now they feel like they have to protect it. Right. <laughs> so a, a couple of other things that maybe this derived from more of the pagan uh, aspects of Christmas was that back in the 16 and 1700s, that if you were born on Christmas Day, it was considered that you may be given special powers, like second sight. And this is interesting. Today, we still have holly mm-hmm. as part of a Christmas but holly was originally used, initially put under a, an unwed young woman's pillow, which would then give her a vision as she's sleeping of the man she's going to marry. So it's like that has nothing to do with Christmas, although <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Now I want to see a X Men and Santa crossover. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you find? Trees actually weren't very prominent in the Christmas celebrations until Queen Victoria. And she was one of the uh, first kind of public figures to put a tree in her house. Mm -hmm. And she was actually photographed with her and her family standing next to a tree, which apparently that was kind of what kind of blew it up. It's a big thing for Christmas culture. Yeah. Did you find the reason why that she did it? No. The reason why she did it was because her husband was uh, from the line, like a Germanic line of royals. And they always use trees in their winter festivals and part of their Christmas celebration. And so it was her kind of being like, I like this. We're going to do it. Kind of a friendly, hey, Mm. we'll celebrate this too. And then everybody saw it and exploded. That's actually really interesting because there's actually a miniseries now about Queen Victoria. Mm -hmm. And apparently her marriage to this German duke or or whatever Mm -hmm. was pretty much political, although mm-hmm. they, they were in love. From watching it, it seemed like he had a challenge being accepted in English community. Yeah, and, and this was one of the ways she showed her, like, no, I like you. <laughs> yeah. Another thing about kind of taking Christmas for granted nowadays and it being kind of a two-dimensional thing mm-hmm. is just thinking about all the different iterations of Christmas that there were back in the day. There were times when Christmas was pretty dirty and debaucherous. I found that in the early, you know, in the 17s and 1800s in America, a lot of gunfire and drinking was involved in Christmas. That people would be actually like going to each other's houses and like sneaking up to the house and like firing guns to scare the woman of the house (laughs) and then going inside to to drink. So um, seems like uh, Christmas is pretty tame by comparison today. Totally, I can't imagine that. Should bring Uh, that back. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> Do you have the note about George Washington? No. Okay, so it was like very well known that this was like a rambunctious holiday where uh, you know everybody was drunk or whatever. And so George Washington actually used that in 1776 with the Battle of Trenton. When he crossed the Delaware River on Christmas night and into the 26th, he, he knew all of these Germans who celebrated this like crazy Christmas celebration would all be super drunk. And so that's why he planned his attack that night is because he's like, these guys are all going to be super drunk. Let's do it. We have minimal force. They can't see us. Boom, got them. Oh, okay. And so it's really interesting how even Christmas celebrations like actually impacted the outcomes of the American Revolution in a way. That's very interesting. And that's kind of, that's like one of the reasons that led to the Puritans rejecting it as well because it was a time where everybody would get together and drink and whatever. It's a lot like New Year's Eve is now. So it's really interesting how in culture we've kind of pushed the party aspect of Christmas to New Year's and then we we made Christmas like this nice, like let's appreciate family, let's sit together, let's open gifts. And that's really common, you know, even if it is just like a couple gifts or if it's super extravagant. So do you know why Christmas got tamed down? I think so. 
I kind of stumbled across it. Back in the 1800s, like early 1800s, there was this higher class of New Yorkers that were nicknamed the Knickerbockers. Like a lot of them were in charge of the press, or like they worked in the press. Washington Irving uh, created this character called Diedrich Knickerbocker and uh, used it to like sell a book. And it's a really funny story. But they were primarily Dutch. And so what happened was they got really sick of everybody partying in the streets. And so they're like, how do we make this holiday more safe for our kids, more like family-centered, and then also just like economically productive? This is still like, it's all kind of blurred, but that's kind of when all of these holidays started to solidify, uh, or the Christmas traditions we know now. But it became very child-centric and as a way to kind of bring the kids in, keep them off the streets because of those like parade elements of Christmas or like drinking and going around and yelling. And that kind of got pushed to Halloween, mm. um, which we did talk about in Thanksgiving episode, actually. So they hated that. So the Knickerbockers, they were like, let's change these traditions and create these traditions. And so they took gift giving, the trees, a lot of this, like the things that are now very commercialized. And they kind of solidified as, these are what we're going to celebrate. And so that's around the time when Twas the Night was written. Um, It was written by one of those people. Um, Also from the Dutch, the Dutch term for Father Christmas or St. Nick, Nicholas, was Sinterklaas. And so from that has evolved into Santa Claus. But Sinterklaas from the Dutch, because I was really curious, like I knew Sinterklaas was a Dutch thing, but I wasn't sure how it like made it into like popular vernacular. And so... It's because these Dutch people who wrote a lot in the newspapers kind of created this. And then with Twas the Night Before Christmas, that really popularized the idea of Santa. And then from there, yeah, they basically just wanted to tame it. And so they wrote these poems and started creating all this tradition around Christmas, which we have now adopted to be more family. So a lot of those actually held on, which I thought was super fascinating. Mm. But did you find out why like gift-giving was initially a part of Christmas? The easy answer is the Magi giving gifts to Jesus when he was born, or Jesus being a gift to the world. Either one of those uh, traditions are really heavily dependent on our current celebration of Christmas, um, as it's in the name. But gift giving, it wasn't like Jesus was born and he said, here, everybody celebrate my birthday with gifts. Although that would be really funny if that was on tape. But what happened was there was a festival of Saturnalia in the Roman Empire, which was a festival in honor of Saturn. And... Part of that festival was giving dolls to children, Mm. but it wasn't like as nice as you think it is. Like now we give toys and dolls. Uh, It was really just a representative of human sacrifice. (laughs) And so then, you know, human sacrifice isn't popular and they just want to keep it nice and keep the kids happy. So as that evolved, then it became part of culture and the Roman Catholic Empire uh, made that more acceptable and they put it into their holiday calendar with the advent of advent. And today, December 26th, is considered Boxing Day. Right. What's the story behind Boxing Day? Boxing Day became popular as almost the antithesis to the growing commercialization of Christmas. Boxing Day is a holiday that's more revolving around charity. And that happened, it got really popular in the 1800s as well, as a day for like the ruling classes to serve the serving classes. And almost a, a day of role reversal. And it's really interesting, there is... Uh, Some of that echoed in Saturnalia as well, in the Roman Empire. But it's really interesting how it's Boxing Day rose in popularity as as sort of a response to the commercialization of Christmas. So, Brian, I showed all the ways that people like giving nice gifts and how that's led to a lot of money. 
but you researched like the the punishment side of Christmas. What did you find? So even though today there is still the mythology around Santa Claus, kind of uh, being aware of kids and who's naughty and who's nice, but it seems to be pretty wishy-washy right now. Mm-hmm. It's like even if you're naughty, you still get gifts. But but there was a time at which if you were naughty, like you could even be kidnapped. What? Uh, yes, it's pretty amazing. But generally, it was not done by Santa Claus. I mean, he's he was kept pretty clean throughout history mm-hmm. because. Santa Claus was kind of an amalgamation of different characters from Germany and from other parts of Western Europe, um, you know, and one being one of the characters actually being a saint. There was Saint Nicholas. So, you know, being a saint, that means you can't be evil and you can't be like kidnapping kids or doing any of that stuff. So Saint Nick's henchmen uh, had different iterations depending on where you were. Um, and this, so there are there are multiple different characters, but they all kind of did a lot of the same types of things, which was you know coal in kids' shoes. They would uh, put uh, switches to kind of I guess to give to the parents to whip their kids. Um, <laughs> some uh, would kidnap uh, kids, and this is all like that they wouldn't actually do this, but this would be the, the threat around mm-hmm. it. But these are some of the names of the uh, of the different henchmen. Uh, one was called the Krampus. Uh, there was uh, Hans Trapp. There was Warte Piet. There was a Frau Percha that was more of a witch type of character. There was in also in German. Uh, there was Bell Snickel. Yeah. And which actually this the Bell Snickel character has transferred over to Pennsylvania Dutch customs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Bell Snickel character can still be found in like parades and activities in Pennsylvania. So those were the main ones. But basically this henchman would be kind of used as a threat to children to keep them in check because the the threat was if they were bad that these characters would come on Christmas night and do something bad to them. So imagine if you were a child back then to be sitting there on Christmas night thinking about all the naughty things that you did and whether or not you were going to be kidnapped. I mean, that would keep me in check. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, and then to wake up the next morning and not... And, and not be kidnapped, but actually get a gift. I mean, that would be like being saved, right? Yeah. So that would probably just set you for the next year to be on your best behavior. So eventually these henchmen kind of faded away. And of course, you know, the elves kind of took their place, which are happy elves that build toys. So I think as these, these, <clears throat> as these characters kind of faded away, um, that it, it became kind of watered down. Not so much because of the PC culture, but as mm-hmm. Santa Claus is generally a, a positive spirit, and they didn't want to make him too, I guess, too gnarly. Yeah. So did you did you learn more about Santa? So I didn't actually research anything. Instead, I told Chris to go and try and find Santa and interview him. And here's his interview. This guy is. I've been waiting on the roof for Santa. Oh my, it's you! Wow. <laughs> what were you doing on the roof? Waiting for Santa. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the day after Christmas, and I realize how tough the job can be this time of year. Thank you for meeting with me, Santa. Oh, you can call me Dwayne. So, Santa. Please call me Dwayne. Okay. Dwayne Santa Claus. I am semi-retired. There's a lot of problems in the world. I work part-time at a treatment center, and I'm passionate about acting and doing theater and singing. Santa. Please call me Dwayne. 
So I found out through a few of my sources that you are actually a retired Santa and you're outside of the organization. <laughs> Why did you quit the syndicate? What made you give up that shady lifestyle? Well, I've, I've been away from it for a few decades. When I actually was working as a Santa Claus, I was fairly thin and I didn't pad myself up. They, they actually had another guy that was part of the syndicate that would actually sit on weekends on the, on the throne, but I'd walk around and invariably, some adult would say, hey, Santa, you're kind of thin. Do you have AIDS? So, <laughs> of course Santa has AIDS, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that was the, They're called elves. They help him with yeah, every piece right. of the operation. And that was in the early days when that was coming out. It's not really... A, they thought it was funny. I didn't think it was so funny. So. Oh, that's even worse, Santa. And if anybody was going to be sarcastic, it was usually an adult. Mm. So I don't know if I was supposed to do this, but a lot of times I... I'd say ho, 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 mm. and then if somebody had insulted me, I'd go ho, 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 I'd follow them down the street ho-hoing them and embarrassing them. And I, I think sometimes the higher-ups that were <clears throat> didn't really like when Santa Claus acted that way, but I didn't like to get insulted by adults either. The children were generally great, and most adults were great. One time, and I was sitting in the chair, and some of the grown women sat on each of the arms of the chair. The guy that asked me to do this yelled, Santa, get your hands off my wife! And all these children, I look at them, oh, what's Santa doing? So I thought it was probably time to get out. He set me up. At least they weren't sitting on your lap. That would have been a real setup. Yeah, that I mean, would have been a real that setup. That felt like a totally loaded situation. <laughs> when you tell people what you do for a living, what do they usually say or do? How do they react? Oh, well, they want a lot of gifts. They ask why their nephew was on the naughty list and oh, why their niece was on the good list or why the or the other way around. So I try not to say too much about it when it's not the season. How long were you a Santa? I was only a Santa uh, for a few seasons. I, I wandered around. I sat down sometimes, people would hire me or get me to do that, sat down, talk to children. But another thing that people would do, which is really a lot of fun, is they'd hire me to come to their house. And sometimes the children were not able to get out, they were disabled or whatever, and that was, that was, really, that was really quite nice. It must have been special to make their day. Mm -hmm. Do you reveal your identity amongst close friends? Like, is it pretty secretive? Well, my friends know it, but we... we we try to hang out and not talk too much about it, so. All right, well, I'm going to get to the True Grit. So I've been informed from the other Santas that there is an actual training school in Michigan. Yeah, is well, that, have you heard about that? Have yeah, we, uh, I, I, I actually have heard about it. I, uh, I, I went there one time, and uh, it was uh, in its beginning stages. But we, we don't really talk about what goes on in there. So a little bit like the training school. All I can say is a little bit like the training school for all professional wrestling. I mean, it, it gets pretty physical in there. Cage matches and tag teams and so forth, sure. So you've been to the school, but you're not trained from that era. You got out before. I'm self-taught. Yes. I was taught by a master. So when, in this former life, when you told people what you did for a living, what did you usually say or do? Did you, like, keep secrets amongst good friends? Did you have to keep your identity secret? I usually didn't say much about it when I was... Uh, when it was off season, because uh, you, you get all kinds of uh, requests and so forth that are hard to honor. And hey, when I want to, when I'm done with the sleigh, I want to be on the beach. Yeah, you're too busy getting margs on the beach, Santa. I understand. Yeah. 
Are you worried that Amazon is edging you out of the gift-giving market? Well, they're doing a great job. I'm not really worried about it. There's so many people in the world that if they can um, take over some of it, it's fine by me. There'll still be plenty of work for Santa Claus, especially plenty of opportunity for Santa Claus, especially if we realize that it isn't only about material. Just even the presence of Santa Claus with a child is, is important. I suppose it is more about sharing. I mean, Amazon seems to be working beside you. Is Jeff Bezos, like, on the naughty or nice list? I'd rather not say. Yeah, he's a jerk, I agree. <laughs> Santa, I gotta ask. Uh-oh. You've been around for a long time. Do you think a robot can ever take your job? Absolutely not. Absolutely it. not. Because a, a robot can't eat milk and cookies, so... I'm sorry to even ask this, but I love milk and cookies, but I unfortunately am uh, lactose intolerant. Do you ever, you know, get loaded up too soon and have some sort of irritable bowel syndrome? Or I really would rather not talk about that, which might be, give you your answer right there. <laughs> Economically, with a demand so high and large, do you, the elves get any vacation? Do they get any part-time? What's their living situation? Well, they live in dorms, and they do rotate shifts, and they take some time off here and there. And, but they do work the year-round, um, and um, Mrs. Claus and I uh, supervise them. Dealing with the workshop and constant technological improvements, for example, like, dude, you used to put fruit in my shoes, mm-hmm. and then one year I got a Nintendo 64. <laughs> How has technology changed and impacted your career during your lifetime? Do you still use reindeer? What is your mode of transportation? What's the factory line like? We still use reindeer, um, but uh, the factory is far more automated. It sounds like a lot of robots have taken over the elves' jobs, but I assume that for every job that's taken from an elf by a machine, three more are created because the machines need to maintain. So, essentially, are the elves trained at some sort of elf technical college? Or? No, they're very, yeah, they, they are trained. There's, there's constant ongoing um, um, training and support for the elves. and They're, they're very smart, actually. Probably smarter than I am technologically. I'm, I'm more or less the front guy. Speaking of the elves, what are you paying them? None of your business. They're living affordable fair wages. And they have retirement plans. Okay, you meet all my standards. And people tend to want to give back, so people send food from around the world to help us feed all of the elves. Now I'm going to ask you about reindeer. Who is your favorite reindeer? I think Dancer is, because Dancer likes to dance, and it, it keeps me cheerful when we're, when we're up, when we're flying around. And I do like Rudolph. I know he gets a lot of bad rap, but we do like Rudolph, and he does like the way, and it's a laser. What's not to like? Hold me closer, Tiny Dancer, but <laughs> I got questions to ask. How did Rudolph's nose get so red? There was an electric short uh, out in the workshop. He got a little too close, and something that just lit up. So what happens if the reindeer get sick? The reindeer don't get sick that often. You know, we've had a few generations of a reindeer gets replaced, gets put out to pasture, and we replace with another one with the same name as they grow. Oh, so we've lost a few reindeer friends over the year. A few. A few. What do you do when you don't have a chimney? Well, you, um, I I have ways of uh, getting into houses that that's one of the secrets, too, of Santa Claus that we just, I can't, it varies with the house, and I really can't divulge that.
Okay, so I'm uh, assuming that one of the reindeer or one of the elves has uh, some lock picking skills. Oh, that that there is. We use many different systems. Among that it is, yeah, that's true. Rudolph's nose doesn't just light up. Uh, it's uh, it's very good. It's a very good laser for opening things. Oh, I gave part of it away. Ah, oh, man. Well, I mean, as long as you're not, like, knocking down the door and go, ho, 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 motherfuckers, I really don't want to hear Santa say that. Um, sorry. I'm oh, just... I, better, I better quit saying that then. <laughs> no more home invasions from Santa this no, year. No, I, I, I don't understand all the technology. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the biggest technological genius. Well, as I'm to understand, science and magic are only words and sentences apart. I think so, too. I think so, too. There's a lot that happens that can't be explained, and the things that can be explained uh, are somewhat magical, too. I don't know that words are always adequate to even give a scientific explanation. Do you think the reindeer will ever fall victim to automation? I couldn't predict that. I hope they don't. Um, as you said before, there's science and there's magic, and I think they're part of the magic, and I think... I hope we never have so much science that there's not room for magic. Well, Santa, thank you for um, considering me as a good boy. Just take my uh, gifts and pay them forward to anyone else who could use them. I thank you so much for coming to us the day after your busiest day of the year, or your friends, your family. Thank you so much for meeting with me, Santa. Dwayne. <laughs> I can call you Dwayne. It's no longer yes, Christmas. Yes. Well, it was a pleasure having you, Dwayne, yeah, Santa, it was fun. and uh, it was fun. can't wait to bug you next year. <laughs> All right. And I have one more thing to say. Ho, ho, ho! Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you found that interview with Santa as informative as I did. Thank you to our expert on Christmas. Dwayne, the Santa Claus, and everybody for listening. Thanks to the team and Studio 71 for making this possible. We're going to take next week off, so we can enjoy the holidays, and then we're coming back with our first episode of 2019 on calendars. Thanks. See you next time.